Bonjour, bonsoir, dear friends. I'm delighted to be surrounded with a summity, an illustrious and very famous man. He's very gifted, very talented. He's very precise. He was charmed by the beautiful eyes of Donna Eber, who is one of our most stellar phenomenal ambassadors. He accepted to come on our show. He knows how to hit the ball more magically than any one of us. Won the Masters, can you imagine? PGA Tour champion, professional in golfing, and many other things, and of all things, gave birth to children that are as well big athletes. So we're going to have an amazing time. Dear friends, please welcome Craig Stadler. Woo! Bonjour, Craig. Thank you. Bonjour. Well, what a pleasure to have you. Good to be here. Well, you know, I'm frankly extremely honored. So here we are. We're going to have a toast. Absolutely. We have many personalities on our show. You're the first golfer. There you go. So what do you think makes a golfer a talented golfer? What made you so talented at hitting that little ball? Just work, basically. Yeah, I, I started playing golf when I was like four. Really? <clears throat> so pretty early, my dad got me involved, and uh, I just loved it. I, I played baseball and kind of when I was 10, 11, and 12, and, and uh, I really enjoyed that. I, was, I played shortstop, and I pitched. And uh, when I moved up to Pony League, they stuck me out in right field and just stood out there for two hours, picked my nose, basically, and I just <laughs> said, heck with this. So, uh, but I played golf the whole time, and, uh, you know, it was... I never really set a lot of goals yeah. in my life, but I just I played high school golf, college golf, just kind of worked my way up the rungs of the ladder, so to speak, I guess, and uh, mini tour, and then made it on tour, and fortunately, uh, I stayed there for 40-some-odd years. That's insane. <laughs> That's phenomenal. And what, at four years old, I'm a father of twin ladies of 10, and they enjoy golf reasonably, mm -hmm. but how do you co convey passion at that young age? How did it come for you? Because I'm trying to get them excited about it. Yeah, but it's not it's, easy. you know, everybody's different. Uh, I just enjoyed it. I, I started playing junior golf when I was seven. Yes. But I grew up in San Diego, so, you know, you have perfect weather year-round. Sure. And uh, my oldest son, Kevin, who was, who was on the PJ Tour, uh, he started hitting golf balls at like two. And uh, did they make golf? Little we played the we played the U.S. Clubs Open clubs of that size. Yeah, just little cut down ones. But we played the U.S. <laughs> Open at Pebble Beach in '82. Uh, so he was twenty nine months old, I guess. Wow. Two and a half, not quite two and a half. And we took him out to uh, Carmel Valley Golf Club and had lunch with some friends of ours. And I took him down, put him on the range, and he sat there hitting balls for two and a half hours. Really? At two years old. Perseverance. Huh? And once I went down and got him picked up, he screamed bloody murder. I wanted to keep going. So he got it. He got it earlier than I did. But, uh, you know, it's just, uh, it's, it's a wonderful game. It's a hard game. Uh, totally individual, obviously. But, uh, you know, it's funny because you get all these, every, every major sport has a Hall of Fame. And, yes. And to explain, I guess, the involvement of the Golf Hall of Fame, uh, if you have a career where you win 23 times and you have 1,200 losses, you're in the Hall of Fame. 
So it's not quite like uh, 20 game winners in baseball. Yeah, but it's it doesn't still... happen all that often. But it's amazing. So what is so fascinating with golf is your mind plays in many ways, right, as well as your swing and as well as your movement. So explain us how you become, even so young as you were, such a mind-focused person to be able to win psychologically, spiritually, mentally the game. I wasn't very good at the mental part. <laughs> I'll admit that. That's honest. Uh, I, was, I had I had a voracious hell of a temper, and I uh, finally kind of got that under control in like the early '80s. But uh, you know, you look at all the guys on tour. Everybody's got a different swing. Everybody's got different personality. So yeah. it's it's really different for everybody. Um, I was I was kind of the weird ones. I never got nervous huh. on Sundays or anything. I just you know when you're when you're they're kind of around the lead or, or sniffing around it on the weekend. It's, it's, it was a good spot to be. I like being there. And there's quite a few guys that, you know, they play great on Thursday, Friday, and can't play worth a darn on the weekend. Mm-hmm. You don't know why, but as I said, everybody's different. But, uh, you know, the good part is it's obviously an individual sport. Yes. Uh, you're your own boss, so to speak. And, you know, nobody to blame anything for, so... That's right, but yourself. You just uh, you work hard at it and practice a lot and a lot and a lot and try to figure out some consistency and yeah, you know which which shots you if you hit better if you play better hitting a draw play better hitting a fade. Yeah, I I never could learn how to hit the ball right to left. I hit left to right my whole life. Mm. And why very, not? Very easy for me. I could hit it right to left, but I couldn't tell if it's going to bend ten yards or forty yards. So you do right so to left. Huh? I do left to right. Left to right. Yeah. Are you lefty? Nope. So nope. you go this way, boom, and then the ball comes mm-hmm. that way. It just starts here and goes here. Mm. Yep. But it just seemed to be a lot forgiving because, you know, when you're, when you're hitting a hook shot, you're tending with overspin. It hits yeah. and releases more. And when you're hitting a cut shot, you're trapping it, so you're getting up a little more underspin. So the misses don't, uh, don't go far, as far offline, I didn't think. Huh. How did you know uh, that you had such a talent to become professional and then to say to yourself that's going to be my life my professional life i mean it's a big decision right now as i said you know i, I played i started playing junior golf i was successful yeah. there uh successful in high school uh in college i had a good i played four years at southern cal mm-hmm. when the u.s amateur when i when i was a sophomore, just after my sophomore year wow and so it was just it just kind of the next step was there Mm-hmm. Once I finished college, I played the mini tours for a year and a half, then went to tour school and made it through there. And then four years, a couple of years, three years after I went through tour school, I won. And then won for the next four, five, six years. And, you know, it just kind of, it wasn't planned. I said it wasn't a goal, but I just yeah. kept moving up where, where, where what was available and what, made it through. Where, where do you think the, the skill of hitting the ball to the mental play and how much is the mental over the skills even because a lot of the players I've had the pleasure to meet many of your friends mm-hmm. I'm sure say you know Jean-Charles it's all up there and a lot yeah, of yeah it's it is it's a very mental game a very mentally yeah. draining game actually yeah. especially someplace like Augusta or, or Bethpage Black some of these hard long just hard golf courses that the greens are impossible, and, and you're mentally drained at the end of the yeah. day because you're out there five hours, and you practice for an hour before, and, you know, you're walking 10 miles every day. 
and uh, we strolling, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, but still, yeah, but yeah, the mental part is is obviously huge, and uh, it's hard to overcome sometimes. But uh, you know, you just try to find a, a happy medium and go with it, and not get too excited about stuff, not get too pissed yeah. about stuff when it doesn't go right, and which was my issue a little bit. But uh, you know, it's just it's a wonderful game, though it really is. Now, what advice do you have for everybody with us today in terms of knowing when it's the right time to go fully for it? Because you became pro very early on. Yes, you had a talent, but you took a big risk, you know. And, and what advice do you have for a lot of the people who may have the same dream as you but are very hesitant? And, no, and, it, it wasn't a risk because that's what I did my whole life, Yeah, basically. I mean, I've, I've never had a job. <laughs> I must say, although it's a hell of a really job. Amazing. It's a hell of a job, but I've never had one. Well, you should but have a better job been, at drinking. Never your been anywhere nine to five. But uh, you know, when I when I was young, I just played, and and uh, I did that with my with Kevin as well, my oldest boy. I just he had a incredible talent as a young kid. Yeah. And I just let him hit it and find it and hit it again. You know, once he got. A little size to him, then you start trying to get some lessons in him, get some consistency going, and but uh, you know, it just I had fun playing. Yeah, that was the most part. I had fun of it, and I was successful at it. That's amazing. It's a good combination. You do something you do. You know, you start doing something before eight, before and four years old, and you're still doing it professionally at sixty-five. And you think it, job. it was meant to happen for you? Uh, I don't know. Never thought about that hmm. that way, but. Uh, well, sometimes I, I believe. I just said, it was, it was my life. choice. It was my yeah. choice in life. But, uh, you know, I could have been a stockbroker or something or mm-hmm. run a tasting room or whatever. Well, tasting room, uh, you do a good job I at kind of liked what I did. Per Donna Eber, <laughs> yeah. we love you, Donna. Uh, you, you love wine and you make your own wine, too. No, I, I don't mean. make my own wine. Well, you blend. You love to blend a little bit. Right? Uh, not really. I just kind of drink. Oh, good. Well, on that note, you're going to have a toast with there me. There you go. A little bubble from Burgundy to celebrate your success. Now, you have a surname that is very legendary, the Walrus. Mm. Tell us about it and why. That all happened in 1975. Um, I got selected to play the Walker Cup, which is the amateur version of the Ryder Cup. Okay, wow. At uh, St. Andrews, uh, Europe versus USA. And, so you were uh, in the American team. Yeah. Big deal. So I went over there and, and uh, first day was played a practice round. It was just pouring rain. And I'd, I'd never wore a rain suit or <laughs> very often a hat. And I just got done, came in the locker room, and I was just soaked. Hmm. And uh, Jerry Pate, who was on the team as well, who uh, loves to talk all day long. I see. But uh, he's funny. He's a good friend of mine. But uh, I came walking in dripping wet, and he looked up. He says, "Damn, Stead, you look like a wet walrus." <laughs> and I somehow, didn't know somehow walrus it stuck. were dry. <laughs> they Some, always wet, right? Somehow it stuck. So, <laughs> I thought it was because of the beautiful yeah, goatee too. Yeah, you know. I'm not sure I had that then. That was, jeez, that was forty-five years ago. Did the American team win yeah. against? Yeah, yeah, easily. <laughs> and and by the way, how before we come to your family and you became who you became and why, 
why did golf become so popular? How do you explain such a success? Because it's amazing as a sport. You know, mm-hmm. everybody plays golf. Everybody enjoys the golf course, the golf club. It, it's become such a cultural phenomenal. Yeah, it has. It's always been popular, but uh, and I think Arnold and Arnold and Palmer Jack Nichols mm. made that happen. But uh, you know, it was always tough for the kids, unless your parents were a member of a private club. You really had nowhere to play except the, the city courses. Yeah. But uh, once uh, once Tiger came on the scene in '97, that all changed, and he was very very involved in first tee and and. Uh, basically just brought a lot of minorities, a lot of kids into the game, which was incredible. Uh-huh. Uh, ever since then, you know, we've got, there's so many talents on the tour now that are mm-hmm. household names. And uh, it's, it's, it's way popular now, way more than it ever was been before. Yeah, and um, where do you see it going today? We are in 2021. Is it going down? Is it Growing up, is it living a resurgence? And yeah, I think it's. I think golf's in a great spot. Yeah, um, you know, Dean Beeman started the commissioner of the tour, and then Tim Fincham and now Jay Monahan. They've done a great job. That's right. Uh, and it just it, it boggles the mind really because these guys are playing for you know six to eight to ten million dollars every week. That's amazing. And they they keep rehiring all the sponsors, which is I. You know, so you've, if you've got an $8 million purse, you've got probably $20, $20 million into the event. That's right. Or 16 anyway. And how they keep these sponsors all this money that's, coming in that's is amazing. That's a lot of dollars. So it's a, they've done a great job. Uh, the whole tour family is wonderful. And tell us about how, you know, the PGA, you won it. You won the Masters, right? Mm-hmm. And PG, uh, major PGA as well. No, I didn't up with that. I just won. Masters is the only major I won. Okay. But and tell us about that. I mean, that's a major deal, as I'm going to serve you a little glass of red. Because <laughs> you're drinking way too much. Uh... <laughs> Not enough. That's why he doesn't want to shake with a golf club. Huh? Don't you drink on the golf course once in a while? Uh, no. Really? I never did. <laughs> Because every time I've been on the golf course, you know what my role is always? All my friends assign me to drive the car and to bring the mm. drinks. <laughs> so I'm the bartender and the driver. Yep. That's, that works. Which is a good work. Which is a good work. Yeah. I've drank on the golf course when I just play friendly golf. Yeah. Beers or something. But I never did on tour. I was over a couple of days I played. <laughs> <laughs> Hate to admit that, but I was. Not very often. But... So the trend, where do you see the future of golfing in terms of maybe more technically now, the game you were playing, you know, as you became Mm -hmm. this amazing champion, to the players today, to the evolution of golfing in terms of strategy and all of that? Yeah, as I said, I I think it's on a wonderful path. I think it's going to continue to grow. Uh, The players are getting better and better and better. I mean... You go back into the 70s, you had 156 people in the field every week, Yeah, players, and you had maybe eight or ten guys that would win in the tournament. In the mid-80s, you had probably 30 guys that win. Now you got 156 in the field, and 140 of them could probably win the tournament. 
Wow. I mean, the depth and the talent is just amazing now on tour. And they're, they're all, they're, none of them are like me anymore. They're all in great shape. <laughs> what uh, are you in great shape? They get like 5% body fat. They hit it a mile and a half. That's and they're amazing. good. And their short games are good. And they work their butts off, as they should. Because, you know, you, you go out there now, you have two good years. You're done. You're set for life if you want. That's right. You're making, you're making 10, 12 million bucks. That's amazing. In a couple of years, and, and off you go. So it's uh, it's the only downfall to the whole thing, I guess, is it's it, it's not as fun as it used to be. And for what reason? You don't really have the personalities you used to because when we started out, we didn't play for any money. We played for hundred thousand purse every week, which is yeah. sixteen thousand dollars for first prize, which is a lot of money in the seventies and for early eighties. Sure. But uh, you know, it's not a million three every week like it is for first now. Wow. So uh, you, you, we had fun, and you know, if you're if you're in third place going into eighteen, and you double bogey, it costs you a couple thousand dollars. Yeah. Now, if you're in third and you make a double on the last hole, it's cost you three hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, the game is a little. Different. So it's it's much more of a job, I guess you could say. It's much more robotic like, and you just you don't have the personalities we had in the past. Mm -hmm. It's still it's still an incredible game. Well, talking about. Cheers, by the way. Mm -hmm. So we're having French, you know, we love French bulldogs. And Donna specifically requested, you know, she's a big lover of Frenchie. So we have the it's North nice. Coast, but you're doing King very slow, so I'm choosing not to open it. You'll take it home. Or maybe you'll take Frenchie on the golf course. That's Frenchie Royale. <laughs> there you go. And this is kind of one of our amazing nice. red blend from Napa. What do you think of that? Nice. Very nice, nice and light. Mm -hmm. Yep, it's good. Your father had a big influence on you. He did. He he was a pharmacist and uh, yep. owned a couple drugstores, and he played on Wednesdays with his doctor buddies and Saturdays with his friends. So I'd go out and wander around with him when I was a kid once in a while, and uh, just you know he he basically got me started. That's amazing, mm -hmm. and he encouraged you. He, he never challenged you to say, okay, go to school, don't go pro, don't no. do this, don't do that. No. You know, there's one, we spoke about the Walker Cup in 75. I was in college, and it was my uh, senior year. And uh, I wasn't going to graduate, but I was pretty close. Uh -huh. Yeah, we had to go to the summer. But uh, <laughs> he, was, he was a good guy, his little bulldog. And I, I came home on the weekend in, in uh, I guess, the end of April. And he was sitting up in the living room. And I said, I got to talk to you. He says, yeah, what do you need? I said, I knew what the answer was going to be. I said, well, I got invited to play in the Walker Cup today in first week in June in Scotland. Mm -hmm. And I was taking a full load in the spring, which was hard to do playing golf. Yes. Taking 16 units. And I said, all four of my finals are the same week. And looked at me, he goes, Really? Because he was one that put me through. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's the same week. I said, "Yeah, they're on Monday, Wednesday, and two on Thursday." And he looked at me. He goes, "Hmm. Well, have a good trip." <laughs> and I, I did not expect that. So that that was that was the time I realized he was a fan. So. Wow. I will drink to this one. Mm. Now, what about you and? Um, 
you know, you're a huge success. You're born with an amazing talent. Luckily, your son, as you said, who practiced with you at two years old, today is a huge success as well. So tell us about Kevin. Yeah, he's, uh, he's not having much fun right now, but... But, uh, you know, he, he had some success. He played at Southern, he went to Southern Cal, and uh, as I did. And uh, as you mentioned before he started this, the Junior World, he won the Junior World, and so did I. Wow. Which is kind of cool. And we have, we have a lot of fun stuff we've done together. Weird stuff, but uh, it's all good. But uh, anyway, he, uh, he qualified for the Nike Tour, and the first one he played in, he won. So he had his he had that he was exempt the rest of the year on the Nike tour and then That's huge. It was, I guess it was nationwide then, and then uh, the two years he's on that he won four times then he got his tour card, and won the Phoenix Open in uh, fourteen, which got him in the Masters, huh. which was a very cool time. I kept telling him from like two thousand ten on I said, dude, come on, you need to win, and eventually about three years later, why do you keep saying that? <laughs> I said because. When you win, you're going to get the Masters, and you're going to play, and I'm going to play. This could be your first, and it's going to be my last, because I'm tired of shooting 80s in that place. <laughs> and uh, so he finally won, and you know, it's, it's kind of one of another one of the cool things. We're mm -hmm. the first father-son that ever played in the same Masters. Yeah, a lot of them played, but different years. And uh, now that that probably won't be done for a long time. Maybe if Charlie Charlie Woods gets good and wins the tournament, they might be the next one. But uh, yeah, it's very cool. He won. He won his first nationwide tournament in uh, back in uh, New York, and I was playing the Champions Tour in Boston. Mm -hmm. I finished. I went in the trail. I'm signing my card, and I shot 64 that on Sunday, so I ended up winning by like four or five. But at the same time, I was watching the teleprompter in the trailer while I was signing my card, watching him beat Bubba Watson a playoff. Wow! On the same day. That's pretty so, amazing. So, you know, like I said, there's a lot of, lot of really cool stuff we've done. We won the father-son down in Florida and a bunch of stuff. And my youngest doesn't play at all, so hardly at all. No? Chris, no. He's so, in my business. So. Well, well, what's the most um, challenging thing you could say father-son relationship? Hmm. <laughs> I'm divorce. getting to, Yeah, divorce. <laughs> sure. Sure. For sure. But uh, no, nah, there was there was not a whole lot challenging. I just let them both yeah. do what they wanted to do when they were young. And you know, my youngest kind of gets mad at me once in a while. Why don't you make me play golf when I was young? I said you hated it. I can make you do something you didn't like. Yeah. He says, "Well, I wish I did." Well, a lot your, of us that's say your choice. that with a that's lot of choice. what we do as sure. children. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, you know, it's, it's fun when they follow in your footsteps, mm -hmm. I guess. But, uh, but it's pretty amazing. I mean, your level, now his level. Yeah. Now, you do um, a lot of things with philanthropy as well. Would you want to tell us all the great involvement you have there? Because you, you help so many great causes. Yeah, I right. just that's kind of what I do now. I don't play anymore, but uh, I do have five, five golfing events that I host. Uh, we just did one last week in uh, Punta Mita down yeah. by Puerto Vallarta. With sure. uh, I, I co-host an event called Golf and Gourmet uh, with Lorraine Ochoa for her sure. foundation. Great. And I have my own uh, my own charity called Wine to Water here in Napa in September. 
which we uh, we run around the world drilling freshwater wells if we can. Or, or, so it's uh, not about freshwater, water it's about freshwater. System, system receptics, or not septic, uh, cisterns. Yeah. But uh, we've done that 17 years now, and uh, we've probably raised ooh, probably close to $10 million, That's 10, huge. $12 million. Dollars. We have two drilling rigs over there in Africa and Chad. So, and then I do a uh, I host an event for Agnico Eagle Gold Mining Company up in Toronto. Yep. For Princess Margaret Hospital. That's great. And uh, I host the uh, their annual charity event for Maui Gym. Mm-hmm. The sunglass people in Peoria, Illinois, of all places. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but that's great. So you're really involved in a lot of different things. Yeah, and then aspects. I do another one in in, uh, yeah. in New York for uh, NetApp, mm-hmm. a storage company. So what, inspi- do do? what inspires you, Craig, today? Uh, I just enjoy doing those events and, and seeing the people come out and support them and whatever, what have you. And, and uh, you know, they all feel good. And and uh, most of them, we raise a good amount of money. I mean, the one, Wine to Water, we, we gross almost a million dollars every year. In that's day. amazing. So. It's uh, and that one that one works really well. Well, let us know because we're the wine part of the water. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, there's eighty five six percent water in this bottle of wine. So you, <laughs> you can always look at it without yeah. the color yeah. of it. True, but no, it's been it's been a good success. We've I've got, God, I don't know what we have done. Probably sixteen eighteen wineries that I work with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's wonderful. So, and they're very supportive as well. So it's it's good. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Now, what advice would you have to all the people aspiring to be better golfers? <laughs> Take up tennis. <laughs> <laughs> this is what I did. There you go. <laughs> no, I just, uh, you know, it's it's not a natural game. Yeah. So our bodies are meant to go forward and backwards. They're not, I meant, see. not meant to go this way. They're not meant to go sideways. Okay. And uh, it just, other than major sports, you having just have fun at it. it takes an incredible amount of practice mm-hmm. to be able to get halfway decent. That's right. And yeah, so I mean, to persevere. persevere, that's your big you advice. Know, take some lessons from your local club pro or whatever. Yeah, I mean, you know, they need to make a little bit of cash, and they'll help you out as well. I, I, I keep saying that's the one reason I played so long. Cause I can't teach worth a damn. But. Uh, you know, I could I could find a twenty five handicap and spend twenty minutes on the range room and made him get him to a twenty three. Really? But I I would have no clue how to get a guy that's a six to a two. I see. So it was never that was never part of my uh, game plan as teaching. But there's a lot of good teachers out there too. But that's amazing. So you know, practice, perseverance, obviously. What else yeah. would you say? That's about it. Really. But how do you, pre- you know, last question maybe on the game is. Need some instruction, as I y- said. Yeah. The level of, co- how do you practice your concentration? Because I'm amazed. I've met, like you, a few, well, you know the world of golf very well, but concentration is such a big part of it. Yeah. It's Being able to focus. It's just something you develop. Yeah. You know, there's no rhyme or reason or right way or wrong way to, do, to get to where you need to be. You just have to somehow stumble into something and figure it out yourself. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can't can't go to a shrink and they can explain to you how to concentrate <laughs> harder or better. Did you have a ritual <laughs> before every game? No. Are you sus- Are you? Uh, no. 
Never None did. of that. No. No, I was kind of a weird one. I never stretched before I played or anything. No superstition. No. No voodoo. <laughs> no wild dolls. No, I won't go into that. But <laughs> <laughs> you see, we succeeded. We got, got a couple of dolls. We're getting at home. inside. <laughs> There's a couple of dolls at home. Here we go. <laughs> Somewhere the pins are. I don't know where. <laughs> Well, maybe they, they use the pins for your own acupuncture. Now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, um, you know, comes the time of a big statement, Craig, that we'd love for you to give the world your view of the world, your advice to all of us. In general, if you could look at the camera after this phenomenal, you know, can you believe we spent over 40 minutes together already? It's good. And great time, great advice. I mean, dear friends, wasn't it great from a top-notch professional of golf, uh, having an amazing discussion of golfing on life, being influenced by his dad, encouraging his son, who is a big, big deal in the same world. I mean, that's very exciting to see. Yeah, it's been, it's been a nice ride. And the big takeaway is, as you said, you've never had a job in your life. It was meant to be. <laughs> No, I have not. But uh, I don't <laughs> know. I might, well find, without might, a job. might find one somewhere one of these days. Who knows? <laughs> so give us the, the big recommendation you have to all of us. We are on the 13th of December. It's uh, almost a change of year. What big advice would you have? It could be golf. It could be sex-related. It could be love-related. It could be... <laughs> You know, saying to Donna, you've been in love with her forever and you never wanted to say it to her. Could be anything you want. <laughs> now that you just met Melissa Lynch, you could say, you know, Melissa, I love you. Are you available for a day? She may be. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's a, as you, we all know, it's a pretty screwed up world right now. But uh, <laughs> hopefully that'll get better. And I'm, uh, I'm mending. I lost my wife in June and that's been not Sorry easy at all. That. So uh, that's that's kind of my goal now is to just try to figure that out in the next ten years. But, well, that's uh, great. Anyway, I just uh, we need to we need to work on this country. This country mm -hmm. is not in good shape right now. How you do that, I don't know, but we shall see. It's not with the president we certainly have right now. I don't think, but not anyway, to be political. Not to be political. <laughs> <laughs> He's not getting much done, but hopefully that will change. But what is amazing is you vulnerable and honest enough to say, you know, we always try to figure it out. And yeah. you're exactly right. I think none of us have it fully planned or fully organized. And I think it's fun to use the holidays as well to think and strategize about what's our next day. Yeah, a lot of us will never figure it out. For sure. Well, you certainly have, Craig. I enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you immensely. Good time. Dear friends, to golf and the Always future of your body language. You don't go always forward. You could go sideways and it works pretty well. Mm -hmm. Cheers. Mm -hmm.